We are the Marcelin Brothers, and this is the Marcelin Brothers Podcast, MBP for short. We are here to share our story and to contribute our thoughts about everyday topics in life. Time to sit back, relax, and get ready for the MVP attack. So I'm gonna be leaving the hospital, so I might cut out. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Today, it is June 13th, 2019, and if you are listening or watching, you are listening or watching the Marston Brothers podcast. Everybody, Marston Cubed is back. What is going on, brothers? The trifecta. Wow. wow. It's, it's been a been, minute. It's been a little bit from traveling the country from Marvin to work, 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 work for me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's back. We are back. So, America, but I am going to say that it's great to see everybody, you know? Yes, it's yes, fantastic. yes. Fantastic, fantastic. See all the pearly whites on everybody's faces. Love it. Now, Marvin, like I told you before, I'm digging the new look that you've got. You've got the, the, the chin strap look with the goatee. It's definitely something that is very fitting. And also, like what we talked about before with the hairstyle, Marvin, show the audience the new hairstyle you are starting up. Whoa. So one side, side at the one. Just turn around. Whoa. So this time he's got a face. Zam. He's got it all even. So Marvin is going to start a trend, and I'm going to see people do that hairstyle. And the Marcelin Brothers podcast crew, yeah, man. you saw it here first. Wow. Good for you. Go ahead and be a trend center. All right, so... What's going on with you? How was your week? Oh, my week has been wonderful, you know. Um, I graduated, quote-unquote, unofficially from my residency program about a week, week and a half ago, maybe two weeks. I'm losing track of time. But I'm still under contract till the 30th. So working till the 30th, and I am done on the bigger and better things. So I can't wait. So what is the countdown at? Because I know you've got a countdown. I think the countdown right now of today is the 13th, 17 days. Oh, so you don't, you don't have it memorized, so you must be okay, because I remember when I had that countdown, when I was finishing my residency, I had the day, hours, minutes, and seconds. And I also had a calendar on my residency office where we would mark the days off, and it would also be a countdown until we were finished, so... That's hilarious. I do have a countdown timer app on my phone that tells me the days, hours, seconds, and minutes left. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So, Marvin, what's going on with you? You know, nothing much. Uh, I just got out of a case. Uh, A really crazy ankle fracture. But uh, we battled through it. We got got it closed, reduced. Then we also put an... Uh, you know, a plate and screws in there, and we're happy with the way it looks. Threw a cast on, and uh, the, the patient's just recovering right now in the hospital. So hopefully he starts to uh, feel a little better, and um, we'll get him, out the, get him out of the hospital as soon as possible. Very cool, man. Very cool. I wish I could live that spontaneously through you guys and do those big interventions. I mean, the only big thing that went on for me this past week was... I had an opportunity to do the podcast on my own, and geez, 45 minutes of talking nonstop. It is not easy. Stephen A. Smith, I give you props. What? Everybody else who does podcasts when they're by themselves, I give you props to be able to convey information and to be able to do this without having callers is definitely a skill, and I was exhausted by the end of those 45 minutes. So I am happy that both of you guys are on the podcast today because it gives me an opportunity to be able to sit and listen and watch instead of having to talk the whole time. So that was pretty exciting. I listened to it. It's not as bad as I thought it would be, but 
again, it's good practice, and I think that this will help me for some future endeavors. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and Marvin got a chance to listen to it, so I'm glad that you you thought it was not bad. So thank you for being kind. You're probably just being kind because you're my brother and you have to, but uh, I appreciate uh, that feedback. You're a natural. Honestly, it did not seem like you were struggling at all. It kind of flowed. It was good. I can definitely see you doing more um, more episodes on your own, you know? And I'm really, really, really curious to see what Deerophilia is going to be all about. So I'm, I'm really anxious to tune in and, and learn. Yeah, so just, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't get to hear the last week's podcast, so I introduced the fact that I am looking at starting maybe either... You know, when we're doing the MVP podcast, maybe one out of every four stories or whenever it's just me solo, that we're going to have a section of the podcast called Dear Ophelia. And Dear Ophelia is going to be the section which I, myself, as Ophelia's dad, am going to be giving Ophelia advice about different topics in life. And it's an opportunity for me to have this so that one day when Ophelia gets to understand what's going on, she can listen to this advice. And it's things that I will either want to teach her in the future or things that I am teaching her now. And I think it could be cool. You put a bunch of these together, and if it ends up catching on, then maybe I can have a break off from this podcast. So that's something that's pretty cool. I talked to Lee about it. She said that it would be pretty cool, so maybe something that we would do together. So we'll see how that goes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sounds Sounds exciting. So I know, Christopher, you're on the clock, so why don't we just start off with doing some of these articles. Go ahead, man. Let's talk a little bit about your article, what you want to talk about, and let's do it. All right. So my article was from USA Today. Um, it's about a college grad who flees the U.S. to avoid his student loan debt. And he's quoted saying, I had to escape this prison. Uh, the article definitely caught my eye. This is something that's definitely coming to pass through all um all young people in our generation it's something that we're definitely battling with so i definitely thought that this was a good topic um very interesting uh this guy is basically from pennsylvania he said that he went through college he amassed about thirty thousand student loans uh, and to him he fell into what he called a debtor's prison um he finished his degree in public relations. He was having difficulty finding a job in public relations. Um, He was delivering pizzas at the time, and he said that he wasn't able to make his monthly installment payments. Um, His loans were going up. His, basically, cash balance was always negative. He wasn't able to afford rent. He was living in his parents' house. He wasn't able to afford a car. Uh, And he just felt overwhelmed and he noticed that he started to become depressed Um, he claimed that he looked for a job for two years and this was right around the time that i guess in public relations a lot of people were being laid off Uh, he was constantly getting job interviews but the job interview would always tell him hey someone else with 10 years experience is applying with for the same job and we're we're gonna go ahead and go with them so according to him he wasn't able to get a job for two years Um, One day he was out at a restaurant, heard someone else talking about how they left the country and to avoid their debt and how they were happy. And he thought that to battle this extreme debt and his extreme unhappiness, he was willing to do something extreme. So he got on a plane to China and went to China and started teaching. um, I I don't want to assume it was English, but I believe he was teaching English to Chinese kids. Um, said that he had a change of life, he became happier, he started making money, his rent was subsidized by his job, and later he moved to Ukraine and became a permanent resident in Ukraine and is has a job in Ukraine. So there's lots to talk about from this article. Lots to talk about. It's hard to kind of center it around what exactly. I feel like we could do a podcast just on this article alone. So there's many different issues. One is, is college the answer now for everybody? It used to be assumed, just go to college, you'll find a good job, you'll be happy, the American dream. For him, this gentleman appears to have done everything right. Um, He got into college. He he also had a job during college to make uh, payments. 
he wasn't able to find a job afterwards. Um, he did have a degree in public relations. That seems to be a reasonable degree. That sounds like you should be able to find a job with. So just lots of things. So starting from the top, I guess, if we're going to go in a systematic order, is is college for everybody nowadays? It sounds like it's not. It might not be. There's lots of new pushes for trade work. They're saying, hey, guys, college, you come out with debt. And you may not even be able to find a job. There's lots of blue-collar jobs that you get some training. Uh, varies from six months to a year to two years. And you're getting a solid 60 to 80 to even $100,000 paying job that's in demand, that's has demand everywhere for it. So just want to remind people that that's also an option. I guess now our generation kind of put a stigma towards not going to college and it's like you're a lesser person if you don't go to college but i don't believe that's true i think you find some way to pay the bills that you're somewhat happy with and live your life it's okay do whatever you need to do to put food on the table so that's kind of one i'm just going to breeze through some of these topics just because there's so many of them um another well, I mean, one let's let's talk a little bit about that college thing though so i think that's a, a good question number one so do i feel that college is for everybody i don't think that college is for everybody if you think about it you know what is why do people go to college the thought process is well i'm going to college because i need to receive some sort of education so that i have an opportunity to contribute to society in in work so if that is the goal then does college have to be that way for individuals to do that I think just like what you said before, that if you find something that you want to do and you're able to do it, whether or not you need the college degree to get you to that point, I think a lot of it is just going to depend on the type of position that you're looking for, what the end point is, and then you can work backwards. So for instance, if I want to work in the medical profession, then yes, that's something that I'm going to have to go to school for because that's one of the prerequisites for me to become a physician. But if I want to be able to go and you know do some sort of trade, then I look at what the answers are, what are the prerequisites, and what you do is you look at these, a good way for you to figure out what the prerequisites are is when you are filling out applications for these different jobs, see what it says on these applications. So I think that you're right. I don't think that college is for everybody. I think a lot of it just depends on what you're trying to do. And when you figure that out, you work backwards and, and you can figure that out. So I think for some people, you know, college is helpful, but I don't know if college is helpful for just everybody in general. So that's kind of what my take is on that. Marvin, we were discussing the article and one of the questions that we were talking about is, feel that college is for everybody. We're talking a little bit about that discussion. What are your Gotcha. Well, in my opinion, I think the answer is no. I think at the end of the day, what you're looking for is being able to find some sort of profession. But if you can find that profession without having to go to college, I don't think it's all that necessary, to be honest with you. Um, right now, that's a huge debate with the whole trade school versus college, and there are a lot of people who go the trade school route, and they can make a very good profession out of it. So, something one might ask themselves is, what is it that they're trying to accomplish when you're going to college? And I think you need to be able to ask that question prior to going to college to determine if this is something that's worth it. But if you're someone who says, well, I want to be able to develop business skills and I want to be able to, you know, run the show in something, you would be surprised as far as how many options are out there now within the trade school route where you can actually run a business, run the show, make a lot of money, and be very successful at it. So I think college nowadays is something where you have to have an idea as far as what you want to do. And then from there, uh, you use college to get you to that goal or to add icing to the cake, so to speak. 
very cool, very cool. So what else were you thinking, Christopher? I know that you brought up point number one, and you know what? I think what we do, I mean, usually with this MVP podcast, we kind of each have an article, but Christopher made an interesting point, and I think we're, we're just going to go with it. There were so many things that we can discuss in the article. Maybe instead of each of us going over the article very quickly, we each have our articles, maybe we just dissect this one article and just bring up all the different points that you have to make with with this point. So, I mean, what do you feel about that, Christopher? I think we should run with it. I was just going to say, I feel like I could talk for an hour about this. So, so we're going to talk about the... Oh, I'm sorry, I, I totally just uh, overran what you're about to say. So are we going to be dissecting what aspect of the article? Oh, uh, we're going to bring up a topic. We're going to talk about it and then move on to the next one for this article. I have about like six or seven topics. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, inside the college grad article that we sent up before for the, the person that fleed Canada, or I'm sorry, fleed the United States and went over to China, then Ukraine. Gotcha. So my second question leads me to is, should people be a little more guarded on coming in, picking a major with an end plan, just like you said with medical school, with the end plan in mind? Should they come out saying, listen, my loans are going to be 30000 I need to have a career that makes 70000 so I can comfortably pay rent and live in Seattle and make my loan payment? Okay, so I know I want to live in Seattle. I need to make 70000 These are the jobs that make 70000 Okay, so this is the majors I'm going to choose from these jobs. And let me pick the one that I'm happiest doing based off my criteria. Should you have a game plan to work backwards and kind of leave behind this whole, I think it's a facade. I don't know, other people may have different opinions, but should we leave behind this whole thing of, I'm going to college to find myself. And I want to take six years to study 17 different subjects to see where who i am as a person i mean in my opinion you could find yourself through everyday life you don't need to be paying extraordinary college tuitions to quote unquote find yourself if anything you should be we can be finding ourselves in high school while it's free so i this is a topic that i'm very passionate about and after we finish this one i want to add in something else so you know figuring out you know, you choose a college based on your major, essentially, is what you're asking. And I think it's very difficult to ask an 18-year-old to be able to understand what money is, the importance of money, and how that loan will translate to your just your future. Because all of us have been told at one point that the best investment that you can make in yourself is your education and everybody says that you're going to college is a great return on investment because the thought process is if i spend you know depending on how many years i work and what position i am the amount that you make should be able to pay for school but i think that's based off of how much your school is and that's also based off of how much you make so how do you choose what major to have or do you need to choose what major you have to determine a college i think this stems further to what part does the parent have in the role of having the student figure out how to make that decision for the school because so often the reason why somebody chooses a certain school is because maybe their friends are going there maybe they they when they were growing up they have a favorite school because of sports maybe it's because of you know the way that the mascot looks maybe it's because when they go on a tour they like the way that the campus felt and all of these things unfortunately aren't going to be the thing that determines whether or not you're successful so i think from my opinion yes i do feel that if we're trying to make sure that we're setting up our kids for success, part of success is, yes, making sure they go to college, but also part of success is making sure that they're able to live after college. You don't want them to feel like they are a slave to the loan and that they don't have this sense of relief because they graduated and they're able to support themselves. Now they feel stressed because they see the amount of money that they're having to pay off the student loans and they're trying to rack their brains on how they're going to be able to do it. So... 
you know, I do think that it is intelligent to think about what do you want to do, and based on what you want to do, try to find the most cost-effective way to be able to figure out how to get that end goal. So, yes, college experience is important, but is it worth a $150,000 loan, and then you tack on 6.8% interest over 30 years, so that education equals $450,000. Going back and looking at my experience, are any of my experiences worth $450,000? You know, I, especially if maybe the income that I make is $60,000 a year. If you're looking at it from just strictly numbers, from dollars and cents, then that doesn't make any sense to me. But unfortunately, we understand that because we have the loans, we are making money, we understand what the purpose and how much money really costs. But I don't know if that 18-year-old or that 17-year-old who is applying for schools and just got accepted into an institution will really be able to understand what that will mean when they talk to the 30-year-old self. The 30-year-old self may look at that 18-year-old self and say, you know what, you probably shouldn't have done that. I, I had the job, and I could have had the same job if instead of going to a private school, I went to a community college, and then I graduated from a four-year state institution, paying two years of university school, and then two years of, you know, community school, community college school. So I think that's where the parents have to come in, and I wish schools really taught more of this financial literacy stuff like i remember when i was going to college or when i was applying to schools you know we i didn't really have a, a good financial aid guidance counselor type person it was just hey apply to school you get in school congratulations when you graduate they say hey patrick Marklin is going to university of north carolina chapel hill clap 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 and that's it so, so i can talk for hours and hours and hours so there are so many things you said there that I just have to interrupt and I have to address them before I forget them. One, you brought up a very good point. I didn't even think of choosing colleges. I was just stating choosing majors, doing the backwards plan to get a certain salary number to get, um, to, get to uh, a cost of living that would be happy for you. But I completely agree. Um, I think the time of choosing a campus, because that's the one that makes me happy, I feel at home at this campus, I grew up watching them on TV, is over. That happened in the previous generation where you guys forget, or we all forget, the previous generation, they could take a summer job, pay for their entire yes. semester of college, go to college, and the next summer, take another job and pay for the next semester. Yes. It doesn't work anymore. So the whole idea of I'm just going to go to college just because I like this one no longer works. I'm Preach. sorry. I want a Porsche. I want a Ferrari. It makes me feel nice. I grew up I grew up watching people drive Ferraris. Doesn't mean I'm going to get a Ferrari. I don't think that's no longer an option of, oh, I liked, and I'm just going to say, or I'm not even going to say a name because I don't want anyone to hate me. So I like <laughs> X private university. Um, because I grew up watching them. Well, guess what? I enjoy it, too. You can continue to watch them on TV. That doesn't mean you need to go there. The The times are changing. The second thing you said, uh, it might be leaving my head. So we talked about picking the college. Um, I agree. Responsibility. Um, also, you said something about the second thing that I kind of wanted to attack was I still believe you need to have a plan before you start college. Going back to what I said before, if it's no longer our parents or our parents' parents' generation where you could pay for a, a year of college with a summer job. If you cannot decide, I say we shake up the system. Why do you have to go to college directly after high school? Why can't you take a gap year, find a nice minimum wage job, and go ahead and find yourself? That way you make fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 instead of wasting sixty. The the arbitrage right there is 75k you saved yourself you made fifteen thousand dollars at your minimum wage job wage job while finding yourself and you didn't spend thirty thousand dollars to quote unquote find yourself if you don't know what your major is why does you, why do you have to go right at 18 take a year off get a job 
and find yourself that way by the time when you are ready to start your job or when you are ready to choose a major, you hit the ground running and you don't have to waste time. I say we shake the system up. Why do we make it automatic that an 18-year-old has to go to college? Each person is different. If you as an 18-year-old aren't mature enough to pick a major, don't pick a major. Take a year off. Take a gap year. Find yourself. But don't find yourself in college while spending 50K a year at a job, at a university doing who knows what. I want to take a look at it from a different angle. My angle is going to be, all right, so you have a list of colleges that you're interested in. Fine. And then you also have the ability to take a look and see how much each college costs. Okay. Then you should then ask yourself, all right, why does one college cost more or less than another college? Can you actively justify the price for the college? In my opinion, I think what you're what you're paying for when you go to certain colleges is not the teachers. And I'm going to say that one more time. Mm. I don't think you're paying for the teachers when you go to a certain college because I think the reality of the situation is you can take one teacher, pluck them, take them away from one school, put them into another school, and they can teach the same lecture. Also, you can find a lot of these lectures online. And if you really wanted to learn this stuff, you can read up and learn with them. I think what you're paying for is the name the quote-unquote prestige and you're also paying for your classmates because the college does the job of selecting your classmates you have no saying who your classmates are going to be and so if you can kind of put all that stuff into perspective and if you justify and say yes this is worth it then okay go to that college but try to figure out what is it that you're actually paying for when you go to college I think Christopher brought up a good point about the gap year and I think another point about if you don't know what you want to do, spend a year, do the gap year. I think that's good, too, as long as, you know, you're not just sitting at, well, there's a couple of things. I think the gap year is good because it's going to force you, if you are doing something with your life instead of just sitting home and being lazy, then I think the gap year is good. Because, one, hopefully you're going to have to do some sort of work so that you are financially supporting yourself. Yes, you can have help from a parent maybe, but what I think is important is is you going out there and working. Why that's important is one, you understand what the value of money is. Two, you understand the lifestyle that you can live based on the amount of money that you're making. And three, that helps you figure out based off of those two principles what do I actually want to do? Maybe I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You, If you're working a, a white-collar job or a blue-collar job, you get to figure out what that entails because work is work. And, you know, as an 18, 19-year-old, having a nice taste of work before it's real life will set your life up so much more than you not really understanding what life is because you are in the security blanket of school when you have loans and then you get that kick in the pants when you're 22, 23, they give you that degree, you're done partying. Okay, it's time for you to start finding a job and figuring out what you're going to do with the rest of your life and becoming a contributing member to society. So that's another reason why I think Christopher's idea uh, for individuals who don't know what they want to do or don't have an idea of what they want to do, do that gap year. Because you're going to be learning more than just you know, how to spend money, but you're going to be learning about yourself. You're going to be learning about life. So I think that's another point that I wanted to add when Christopher was talking about the gap year. And just to you kind know, of piggyback off of that, um, with the gap year, if you're working at XYZ fast food restaurant, it's going to give you the motivation to realize, hey, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Let me take my class seriously. Let me, instead of doing six credits a semester and spreading it out and spending a ton of money, maybe you're going to realize, let me man up and do 15, 16 credits. Let me do summer school. Let me try to get out of here in three years. And it kind of motivates you, the nice kick in the pants, just like you said that you might need. Sorry about that. What were you going to say, Marvin? Oh, I kind of forgot what I was about to say. But it's okay. Ah, that stinks. All right, so. Uh, do you want? Are we good to move on to my next Go Go ahead, uh, man, because topic. we can go about this for hours and hours and hours. So go ahead. So my next topic is kind of along the lines of the gap year is... Oh, I remember some... what I was about to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, go ahead. Go all ahead. Right, all right. So check this out. Have you guys heard of the FIRE community? 
Yes, yes, you have. Independence retire early. early. All right. So with that financial independence retire early community, something that I've been noticing is what ends up happening when they retire early. Basically, it's a race to being able to have enough money to sustain your life without having to live your day job, your nine to five day job. Once people accumulate that and actually get that, then it seems like they figure out what it is that they actually want to do with their lives. Very rarely do you actually hear people who are part of that uh, fire community where they just stop doing anything. What ends up happening is they, they finish, they retire from their normal day-to-day job, but then they go ahead and they figure out a new career that is, gives them joy and it also uh, contributes to you know, society in a positive way. So I'm wondering if maybe you figure out what you need to do quickly to sustain yourself. And once you can take that headache off of your head, then you can actually take time to figure out what it is that lights you up and makes you really happy in life. And then you can pursue that. Is there any way that we can put that into the whole picture of the college and and all of that? I, I completely agree. I think what the delusion that a lot of this generation is having is they're not realizing that work is work. Work is a job. The end goal is to make money and you live your life after the job. Some people are kind of a few fortunate people have a job and a career that they love where they eat, sleep, breathe that job. Those people are lucky. For the rest of us, you get the job, you put your hours in, and then you live your life at the same time. So people are trying to find things that they want to live that also pay them. And for everybody, that's not possible. Not everyone is going to have that opportunity. Sometimes you just have to find a job that you can tolerate doing that will pay the bills and go have hobbies on the side. It's okay if you don't want to live at your work for your whole life. You do the job. Go home and live the rest of your life. It's okay. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those. Well, what I was going to add to that is you can still do all that stuff, and I think it's important. I think the this whole fire community thing, the reason why these individuals are able to do the stuff that they are able to do is because they have a budget, they live within their means, and because of that, they're able to do what they want to do. So one way that you can look at that is. Well, maybe you find the thing that excites you. You find the thing that you want to be able to do. Figure out if there's a way for you to support yourself. But you have to realize that your lifestyle is going to have to match that. So if your goal is to, you know, if you like art and you you love the way that art makes you feel and expresses yourself and you love drawing and you love the creativity in yourself, find a job that lets you do that. But you've got to realize that if you do find that job that lets you do that, then you just have to make sure you're able to live to be able to do that stuff. Which may mean that you may have to sacrifice with, you know, how you live, your living arrangements. You may have to sacrifice, you know, some of the, you know, everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to have the, a roof over their head. Everybody's got to somehow find transportation from point A to point B. And you find a way to be able to do that within the budget and the means that you have. So I think one way that you can look at that is if you can either do what Marvin said, you just find some job, work, get to a certain point where financially you're able to get there and then find something that you want, or you find something that you want, use those same principles that you did to get that dollar amount that you needed and just live within your means. So that's, I think that's another way that you can kind of take a look at that vantage point without having to stay and wait for 10, 15, 20 years and you're losing years that you could have lived while you're doing it actively now. And to tack on to what Junior said, um, you also are allowed to have alternate streams of income. We're going to have another podcast. Yes. And way too much to talk about. Yeah. But oh, if yeah. you're the artist and your job gets you X amount of dollars an hour, guess what? You can also, on the side, walk dogs to supplement your income. There's also lots of things that you can do. You can be a personal assistant online that has odd hours. You can drive for Uber. There's always things you can do on odd hours and the off hours of your job to make ends meet. But to get the conversation rolling, I have a long list. Next thing we talk, we can talk about is I also think we should do some more shaking up of status quo because status quo is obviously not working for us is 
should we just kind of make it mandatory to where you have your prerequisites at a community college and go ahead and just do your final major at a college? The first two years, um, at least when I was in high school, I don't want to date myself, but I'm 30. When I was in high school, <laughs> one of the major programs that was kind of new and some people were a little embarrassed about, but I thought was the best thing on earth just because the high school I went to, people were competitive, just like Junior was saying before, they want to hear their name and some prestigious university and have everybody clap. But one of the newer things that they were doing was they would let you take your prerequisites the first two years out of your four at Miami-Dade Community College. I think now it's Miami-Dade College, so that also dates myself. And then you take your last two years at the University of Miami and your final degree would come from the University of Miami and the amount of tuition you paid was a third of what other people were paying and you ultimately end up with the same degree. I think we should start changing up the system. You can do your prerequisites at a community college and you can take time to find yourself still while paying less money. Maybe living at home, maybe commuting. So I think a lot of this is this Again, it's all going to come down to the decisions that these students are going to make. There is an illusion that is out there that the best years of your life are college and that when you're in college, you get to do all these things and then after college, life just goes downhill. Now, I don't live by that mantra. You guys don't live by that mantra. For me, my best days are forward and I always have something to look forward to and that the best day is yet to come, and I feel like that every single day, and that's how I live my life. Whereas some individuals, you know, may, maybe the best days of their life are college. I don't know. And if that's the case, then there's something that just didn't happen correctly for them to feel that way. So part of that problem, and again, this is where parenting is so important, is to paint a picture to your child and they understand again what is the end game and what is the goal the child may see what all their other friends are doing and they may feel like they're different and they don't get to do what everybody else gets to do and they feel like they're left out it's kind of like you know you you know ophelia's hanging out she's playing with her cousins and or she sees other kids Perfect example. So Ophelia used to bring her lunch from home. I would make her lunch. She would eat her lunch just fine. She didn't know any better. She just ate because she ate. Then she started going to school. I still gave her her lunch. She started, she was eating her food. And then all of a sudden she kind of stopped eating her food. Then I got feedback from school saying, hey, Ophelia isn't really eating that much. You know, but she looks at all the other kids. And what we realized is that Ophelia is a social eater. You know, she wants to fit in with everybody else. She wants to eat what everybody else is eating. And because of that, then we decided, hey, we can either continue to give her the food that we make for her and she may not be able to go home and she may be hungry or we just let her buy food just like everybody else because that's what everybody else is doing. Now, that's a very simplistic comparison. But and of course, there are going to be holes to that theory. But I feel that's like just the premise of the conversation. Holes. You know? I feel like tearing holes right now I, through I that know. theory. But my point is that the, the maybe the quote-unquote typical situation, that's what it is. It's peer pressure. Kids have a passion. They feel like all of a sudden they're adults. Hey, I'm 18. I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. I can you know, fight in the military. I can vote. So I should be able to choose what I want to be able to choose. And they're just thinking because they don't know any better. Whereas, again, the 30-year themselves would have went back and said, man, I should have listened to my parents because of blah, 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 blah. So I think that's one reason why I think it's a great idea. I think that, you know, looking at school, I think schools are very inflated with their costs. And, again, like you said before, how much it costs our parents to go to school is totally different. I think that I read somewhere where... The, the tuition of school or the cost of school rises at close to a seven close to seven percent is what the increase is from year to year. So by the time you you know affiliate goes to school, you know her undergrad degree is going to be at close to you know sixty seventy thousand dollars just tuition by itself. 
versus like I'm doing the Florida by future and I'm paying it'll be up to around thirty five forty thousand with just tuition. You when I was going to school, a semester was maybe a thousand, two thousand, you know, maybe at tops four thousand. So I think these that's are the for state school and these are for state schools, not state even for private schools. So that's why I think again it all boils down to parenting. Um, I agree, and I do feel like just these aren't decisions made lightly. Um, I'm going to say my same simplistic uh, simplistic ideas that you had kind of with the example. Um, that idea worked because you could afford to give to buy lunch for her. Now, if you're packing lunch for Ophelia and you can't afford to buy lunch, Sure. Maybe the first week she'll be sad. She won't eat, but mm-hmm. event- eventually she'll come around and figure out, hey, if I don't eat these packed lunches that my parents are providing for me, I'm going to starve. So initially it may hurt. She may be sad. But if you cannot afford to buy the lunch, you're going to have to keep oh, bringing right. the packed lunch. And then initially you're going to get over it and you'll start oh, eating your packed lunch again and you'll continue with your life. So kind of applying that to the college. Initially, yeah, I want to go to a big-name university with big tuition because all my friends are going. After a month, you're going to make new friends at the other job, at the other school, and you'll be completely okay. So it's just, it's going to hurt at first, but just realize it's not the end of the world. I'm not as driving long, a Ferrari. As long as the child understands that, and that's the problem, is, is that student going to be mature enough to understand that? Because right now, their answer is going to be, well, I can get loans. And they don't know what loans mean. That's, and that's, 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 that's later problem. on our conversation. Yeah, yeah. Marvin, did you want to add anything to that? Wow, so much knowledge altogether. Well, I think this is something where parenting and the psychology behind parenting is so important. Because I think one of the best things someone can do is kind of sort of give the foresight to their children and let them know that, the power of peer pressure and how how powerful it is and how it can make certain people do good things and bad things at the same time. And I'm really curious to see, like, how does one do that? How does one set themselves up for that conversation? And how do you convince your child to, to let them understand and see that from your point of view? Again, and and this is knowing your child, and again, I'm not a, I mean, I'm, Ophelia is 21 months old, so I, I don't <laughs> even want to begin to think that I know the answers to your questions, but I think a lot of this is financial literacy. I think it's the examples that you teach your children, having them understand the value of money at a young age having them understand that, hey, this is a dollar, a dollar buys this. If you want to buy something, you teach them what the value of money is. So that now when it's time to look at education and look at time, how much it's gonna cost for school, you tell them, hey, this is the dollar amount. This is, let's say you have a certain profession that you wanna be, this is how much that profession makes. Let's make the math and figure out how long is it gonna take for you to pay off this bill based off of this dollar amount of what you'll be making and this dollar amount of how much the school costs and letting them know this is once you start working and once you start getting paid break down this is what you make this is how much taxes are taxes remove this amount after you do that you break up every single month how much you're going to be making you divide that by two put in your groceries put in your, your utilities all your other bills and let them understand this is how much you're going to have to pay every month to be able to get to this goal. And, you know, from that perspective, how does the child feel after that? So, again, it's not that easy, but essentially that's what you have to do because all they see is a, a degree. They see a campus. They don't see the dollars behind it. They don't understand the amount of hours that you have to work for it. And you have to try to paint it in a, in a picture for them to understand what that means. So, you know, you, you have a kid and the kid is driving and maybe they are responsible for having to to pay for the gas you know once you understand that cost of money then you can use that example and then use the tangent to have them appreciate and understand what it is and how much it's going to cost but again it's easier said than done yeah and, and 
just touching on what you're saying, you mentioned that the concept of painting a picture, so foreshadowing. So I think one of the solutions would be if you can have these discussions with your children and set the tone before it actually happens so that you mention that this is something that you might run into and then they actually see that this scenario actually occurred, maybe they can believe you a little more and maybe they would actually hold true the things that you're trying to say. I think so. And it, and that's the thing that we, we have to realize that, like Christopher said, this is different than how it used to be before. This is not our parents' school. This is not our parents' time. And like Christopher said, we've got to break it up. We've got to try something different because, again, we've talked about in the past how much student loans are death. I mean, you got this guy in this article that had to flee the United States and go to China and go to Ukraine because of a $30,000 loan. And $30,000... Now that you actually you actually brought that up, that's a great segue of bringing it back to the article, is yes, this guy did some drastic things, but did he do enough... Did he do enough measures kind of in the country before taking to these drastic things? Um, the article does go on to say that there are student loan repayment plans um, based on your income. There's advisors that will work with you and pick the right plan for you to change your monthly payments. Um, there's also something called geographic arbitrage. So let's break it down. Basically what that means is, was he in an area of the country that wasn't suited for his degree and had a high cost of living? Was, if he's in Pennsylvania... Are there no jobs for Pennsylvania for HR and the cost of living high? Could he have moved to Tennessee where they would have been dying for um, HR people and the cost of living could have been lower? Did he exhaust all of his options? Um, you have, also have to be willing to travel for the job. He said he looked for a job for two years. We don't really know what that means. Did he look for a job in the same one block radius? Was he willing to leave the city? Was he li willing to leave the state? Um, you kind of have to be willing to move where the opportunity is to kind of be successful. Maybe once you get those four years of experience, you can come back to Pennsylvania, his hometown. you got to be willing to kind of give and take. So I, I think all those points are very valid. And I think that, you know, again, if I was in this situation that this individual would have been in, you know, again, 30, I'm, I'm not going to say $30,000 is not a lot of money because it is a lot of money. $30,000 for a degree, that's probably the average. You know, when we were reading in this article, you know, it seems like, you know, $30,000 is kind of like the average what a student owes by the time they, they finish school. And I think it's one of those things where, again, what options does this guy have? I mean, this guy said that you know, he, he tried to find jobs, he couldn't find jobs, he couldn't make ends meet. But I agree with you. I think if I was this individual, I would have definitely gone over to a different part of the country and try something different just to do whatever I could just to knock this out. So some of this, I think, is is how do you deal with stress? How do you deal with, you know, a scenario like this? And for this guy... The way that he made it decide, I mean, he described it as, I had to escape this debtor's prison. It felt like there was no other choice. That's what America came to me, a prison, so I left. And it's so sad how something as important in a dream that an individual has, which is going to college and having a degree, could make somebody feel like they they're in debt and they have to escape and that's where again parenting comes in being able to get financial advice from a financial planner helping this person understand yes thirty thousand dollars is a lot of money but if you break it down over x amount of time it's something that you may feel more comfortable being able to swallow and if he were to have somebody who spoke to him like that maybe he doesn't go through this extreme but at the same time he may just not have been happy with where he is and he's living a different type of life that he's happy in and he likes it to the point where he's still there. Like if he hated it, I'm sure that he would come back and he would figure out something. But I feel like this guy actually enjoyed life. 
So maybe this is the type of person that would have benefited from a gap year. Maybe this is the type of individual that would have benefited from traveling and figure out what he wanted to do in life. And with that being said, he could have bypassed the whole college thing altogether, taught English in schools by just getting a certificate, gone out, and still been able to do the same thing, but now be thirty, forty-five thousand dollars richer because they don't have to pay back that look that loan. And at the same time, he could also be sending payments back while he's in a different country to kind of pay for his loans while he doesn't have while he has a very low cost of living. And I just have one more thing that I need to get on my soapbox and preach before I have to run. I have to take off. But one more thing is we've been focusing a lot on the student aspect of it, but we're kind of ignoring the elephant in the room, which is the college. And what it comes down to is something needs to change. Colleges are taking advantage of the youth. They're taking advantage of our young people. There's been, just like you said, a steady 7% increase in the cost of college every single year. Where is that money going? Can you honestly say that in your four years on campus, you've seen a 28% um, increase in what's being seen in your campus? You could see where 28% increase in salary has gotten, 4% over or 7% over four years. Um, it sounds like the teachers are not making more money. There's not more facilities. There's not more classes. Books aren't magically getting more expensive. It's going somewhere. It seems like it's going to the administrators. All of a sudden, the president of every school is making seven figures comfortably. The second problem is it comes down to, again, colleges are taking advantage of the students. What's happening is, is the government is recognizing that college is a very important part of life, and they're even, will, they're even willing to put their money where their mouth is, and they're offering loans so that all the young people can get educated. The government is offering unlimited funds, and guess what? The colleges are seeing this, and they're raising their tuition to match how much the government's willing to give you. So we need to back down, we need to attack it from a different angle. The government needs to kind of do what Medicare did in the healthcare industry and say, hey, we're only going to give you $10,000 for XYZ. And the school, maybe for the first year or two, will resist until they realize their numbers have drastically gone down and they're going to have to reduce their tuition to match what the government's willing to give out in the loans. So the problem is also on the government side because they're giving an 18-year-old kid a blank check so he can go to the school of his dreams and the college realizes that they're having a blank check and they're taking advantage of it. And it's, uh, the last thing on my attack of colleges is the colleges are making out 100%. They are getting out with zero um, financial risk. Why is it they're allowed to say, you have to pay $50,000? How come the student and the government are getting into a contract where it's win-lose, they both have risk involved, but the college wins no matter what. If Johnny goes into college A, pays his first year of tuition, if he goes to the second year, guess what? The college wins because they get a second year of tuition. If Johnny drops out or fails out, guess what? The college still got that first year. The student loses because he owes X amount of money with no job. The government loses because they owe X amount of money with no way to pay the job. The colleges need to be on the hook there needs to be some sort of, there's three people involved in the party, so three people need to share the risk. I don't know how they're going to share that risk. Should there be some sort of incentive where they have to guarantee that they'll, I mean, you can't guarantee that someone passes classes, but they can't be completely off the hook. There's three people in a negotiation, and only two people are assuming the risk. The government who's lending you the money, and the person who's taking the loan, and the colleges are winning 100% of the time. Something doesn't wow. seem right. That's that's a lot of a lot of truth. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying this perspective that you have, and um, maybe a solution would be uh, colleges will have to have some sort of pact where, if they're going to charge X amount of dollars, it has to be such that the person finishes, then they can get the money. But if they don't finish, then they don't get the money. It should be something like that. Well, I think, it's too, tough to say. yeah, and I think, too, it's just, for instance, if you do the in-state versus out-of-state, so a lot of the funding when it comes for schools 
who pays for it? It's going to be the government, but also the, the taxpayers pay for it. I mean, these state schools, they are receiving funding from individuals who live in the state. This thought process behind that is, you know, your, your state will give X amount of money that's funded with this amount of money. You're supposed to be able to to have this many individuals who go to the school and that's how they are able to determine how many people will be able to be admitted into the, into the institution based off of the funding that they have. Now, what you realize sometimes is that the cost for in-state tuition is different than the cost of out-of-state tuition. In actuality, that dollar amount is the same, but I think what ends up happening is those who are in-state tuition those individuals are helping pay for that throughout the year because they're citizens and they they work in that state. So that's stuff that is being accumulated by that individual, whereas that people who are out of state, they don't get the funding for those individuals. And that is what the state determines as their, this is how much it costs for this individual to go to school. And they'll make up all these fees and they'll have these hours and dollars and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. But like what Christopher said, you know, they decide, hey, this is how much I want every student to be able to contribute. And like you said, at the end of the day, the government came in and they kind of cleaned up a lot of the, the federal loan issues by making sure that they are satisfying the needs of the school and that the government says, hey, they'll kind of pick up for it. So it's interesting because there is talk of having free school for all and you've probably heard for a lot of the individuals who are running for office they're trying to make find ways to make school more affordable and it's interesting because the only way to make school more affordable is by cutting the cost and the only way to cut the cost is somebody has to be okay with saying you know what this is the amount that we're going to pay but you know there isn't a, a a max amount of schools that are out there there's so many schools if you want to be able to have a school you just go through an accreditation process and once you do that you can have the school and once you have that there aren't any rules or regulations that discuss how much you have to make and how much you have to charge that's why there are so many of these private schools that are out there and if the student is willing to pay this dollar amount then there's never going to be an end of sight. It's got to be to the point where you've got students who are saying, you know what, me paying $60,000, $70,000 for education is probably a little bit too much. So yes, I do feel that the government is cleaning up the mess and that's why perpetually you're seeing the increases and increases because the schools are trying to see how much they can make out of it. But it's not going to be until the student says, hey, I'm not going to pay $500,000 to go to school over the 30-year loan repayment for a job that I'm going to be making $60,000 a year. And until people understand financial literacy, it's, it's never going to go away. But also, I agree kind of with almost everything you're saying. It's so weird because there's pros and cons. I agree and disagree with everything you're saying. One, I agree that it's never going to stop until everyone says we're no longer paying enough is enough. But at the same time, just like you said before, that 18-year-old kid is saying, hey, I want that shiny to say, um, no, that's unacceptable. We're not giving you this much. I mean, you're, the government's giving out blank checks. And my other question that I just thought of while I was walking is who decides how much a state, who runs the state school? It sounds like the government does. Hold on one second. Yeah. I think he's, he's exactly right. So my, my question is, who's running the state school? Who's in charge of determining what the tuition is? And the trial could start with state schools. If the state school is government-run, they can say, listen, we're only going to give you X amount of dollars to go to this tuition, to go to school, and we're only going to charge X amount of dollars and they're going to set the standard, and if natural private economy works, X amount of people are going to start going to state schools. You're going to have the certain few that stay at their private school, but we're a private economy. You're allowed to have competition, and you should just let private economics work and swing the balance, give people an option. But I think the problem that you're going to run into this is this. It's depending on... You know, and I hate to say Democrat or Republican, but it's it's more of the 
if you want government to interact in it, there's going to be certain people who are for and against it, you know, because, you know, you either go the route of the government kind of subsidizes it, they control the cost, they say, if you want my money, then this is what you'll do. And then you've got other people who don't want that because they, they feel oh, you're going to dilute the, the quality and the individuals who are paying for this is this, but then the other individuals who are paying on their own. It's kind of like the whole argument of, do I want to go to a private school for, for high school versus do I want to go to a public school for high school and, and the pros and cons. But I think that, again, at the end of the day, it's why do you go to school? It's to get a degree. Why do you get a degree? because you want to be able to do a certain job and what do you make from the certain job and if you go look uh. at it from that perspective then you realize well this doesn't financially make sense for me and college is just not the route that i'm going to go but you kind of said something in passing that just blew my mind that just made the picture so much more clear for me what are we doing in high school in high school, the government says, hey, we're going to take care, we're taking over these schools. And there's certain people that say, we don't like the way you run it. We're going to go to private schools. Guess what? Some people go to, majority people go to state-funded government high schools. Some people who can afford it still go to private schools. And you decide based off your economics, why can't we have something similar for colleges? Why can't there be a cost... Um, What's the word? I'm blanking for the word I'm looking for. Kind of like with the Section 8 housing where they have the cost-protected option. And if you feel like that doesn't meet the needs or requirements that you want, then you're free to go to the private school route. State schools are state schools. So that means they should be have a little bit more control for the government. And if you disagree, you should still be able to go to your private school. So we're not forcing college tuition. We're not forcing... Um, a degree on you, but if you want to go to the regulated, cost-regulated one, then yes, you have to meet XYZ requirements. The same thing happens with health insurance. Um, the person who's on the state-funded, um, I don't even know if Obamacare is still around, that's how out of date I am, but the state-funded one, they say, hey, guess what? You can go to Dr. X on this day only. If you don't like it, Go out and buy private insurance. If you can't b afford private insurance, guess what? You're going to see Dr. X on the day that they tell you, but you can afford it, and you could still see the doctor. So maybe there should Man. be a little bit more. I think we got to stop there because we, we can go for hours and hours and hours. So I think we need to have another Stay Tuned Part 2, and maybe we need to have a series on school, colleges, how to pick them, why to pick them, what do you do, and and I think this is going to be a good series. So I don't want to take another 45 minutes to talk about what do you want to leave with the group with, but we got to make sure that we tell the group what type of things you want to make sure that the MVP crew leaves with as they say their parting ways from us. So Marvin, let's start off with you. Financial independence, retirement early. I think the principles within the fire community should be taught in high school. Christopher, what do you think? Um, I definitely think that um, college, the decision to go to college shouldn't be a pressured thing. It should be if it fits for you. I think that you should have a game plan going in. I do not believe in finding yourself in college. Uh, you should have, you should sit down, you should be, this should be something that you start thinking about from the beginning of high school, um, kind of, if you started from then doing baby steps, starting to find yourself, have a roadmap so that by the time you get to college, you have a general idea of where you're leaning. I'm not saying you have to pick exactly what you want, but for the most part, you can be leaning towards, do I want to be in healthcare? Do I want to be in the arts? Do I want to be in journalism? Do I want to be in teaching? Kind of narrow it down to the lifestyle that you want. You should be picking based off of the lifestyle that you want. If you're all about Benjamins, then you got to pick a job that's going to give you Benjamins. If you're all about, I'm passionate about teaching, then you have to realize, hey, my lifestyle is going to be X, Y, Z. Unless I get some side hustles to supplement and get the Benjamins that I want, um, you shouldn't be forced to go to college. If college isn't for you, guess what? 
service jobs, uh, blue collar jobs are respectable jobs that make probably more money than a lot of these jobs that you require a college degree for. You should be able to take a gap year if you can find yourself and pick a reasonable college that's in your price range. Guess what? We all want to drive Bugattis and we all want to drive Ferraris. Only the top 1% can actually drive a Bugatti and Ferrari. The rest of us got to drive Hondas. And being one that drives a Honda, I think you need to realize, again, live within your means. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter you know, who you knew. It's a matter about what you can do for your family and how you provide to your family. You don't want to necessarily make a mistake that is going to be haunting you the rest of your life. So you want to make sure that you try to get the best advice that you can. And those of you who are parents or those of you who want to have kids one day, it's there is no way that you can honestly be a, a great individual, a great caretaker without sharing this information with your children. You've got to make sure that you teach them. They're not going to understand what money is worth. At some point, yes, you're going to have to let go and they're going to have to figure things out. But as long as they're underneath your roof, try to explain to your kids what college is, what college is about, why college is important. But please do not have them make a mistake that they're going to regret five, six years from the time that they go to school when you could have had a conversation with them and helped them understand these are the pros and cons to the decisions that you're making. You want to spend this money, realize that this is how much it's going to cost for you to make that back and have them at least have that conversation. So at least they are somewhat aware of the consequences they could make because of the decisions that they make because of a mascot that they wanted to follow. That being said, it is 9.04. I want to catch the Warriors versus Raptors NBA Finals game. I want to see how that goes. So I think the next episode we'll talk about that. You guys are living large and in charge. I'm glad that we had Marshall and Cube together. Audience, I hope you appreciate everything that these guys are doing to spread the knowledge that you have. If you enjoy listening to podcasts like this and other episodes, please make sure you subscribe to our Marshall and Brothers podcast. Please make sure you leave a five-star review for us. Please make sure you share your comments as to what you like and what you don't like. And also feel free to email us at marshallandbrothers at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear the responses. Thank you again for all of those who have been able to listen to the 21, now 22 episodes we've been able to post. And until next time, America, the world, MVPers, have a good one. Later. Thanks for listening to the Marston Brothers Podcast. And remember, do work and make a difference in somebody's life.